can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. These episodes will cover content with experts in their field on the topic of oral contraceptives, which are prescribed medications. This content is general information only and is not a substitute for individual medical advice. Always seek the guidance of your doctor with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode two of our mini series. You can go and listen to episode one if you haven't already with Dr. Prasanthi. Uh, Today we're delving into the dermatological side of coming off the pill. And before we get into that, I do speak in this episode a little bit about uh, the skin changes and hair changes that I've noticed since coming off the pill a few months ago. But I did want to talk skincare and makeup routine to start with because we did have a question on the Facebook group around how my skincare routine has changed or the things that I did to prepare for coming off the pill when it came to my skin. So probably the biggest thing which I mentioned in this episode is that my skin is much oilier than I'm used to. I would say that prior to coming off the pill, my skin was normal to dry. I'd now say I'm probably normal to combination. I do get quite oily, especially on my forehead. And if I'm wearing makeup, I find that I can no longer get away with not powdering over those dewy foundations. So I have definitely introduced a lot more translucent powder into my makeup routine. But in terms of skincare, I really haven't changed that much, to be honest with you. I'm all about supporting my skin barrier. So as long as that is functioning at its best, then I feel like I can really get a good handle on my skin and I can keep it under control. So I do mention to Dr. Ryan that I had a couple of spots on my jawline that I did just treat with a little bit of salicylic acid, but making sure I'm also supporting that area of my skin with things like niacinamide, panthenol, occlusive ingredients to keep hydration in. So I think it's all about balance. And I did ask Dr. Ryan for all of you, what are his tips on skincare and professional treatments? So if you are struggling with hormonal acne, definitely stay tuned for that in this episode. But when it comes to me, I really didn't change that much about my skincare routine. I did buy myself some COSRX pimple patches, which I have used, and they definitely came in handy and flattened out those blemishes. So if you are struggling with blemishes and you're like, I do not know what to do, then pimple patches are a good way to not touch them because that's my issue is I cannot leave a blemish on my face alone, especially if I'm working and I'm distracted, I will just constantly touch it without realizing and make it worse. So we're going to be jumping into this interview now. If you have any other questions on skincare or you want to know exactly what products I'm rotating in my routine at the moment, feel free to comment in the Facebook group and I can get back to you. And if you have any other questions around skin for our dermatologist, Dr. Ryan DeCruz, you can also leave them in there as well and we will get back to you. But I hope you enjoy this episode. So today I have joining me specialist dermatologist, Dr. Ryan DeCruz from Southern Dermatology. We're obviously talking coming off the pill Dr. Ryan, there's a little bit of a background for you. I came off the pill about three months ago. And so I'm keen to talk to you about like skin, hair, nails. As a dermatologist, obviously that's your um, expert area. So let's start with why people get put on the pill for skin because you chatted to us on a regular Beauty IQ episode and you said like, oh, the pill is a whole other like episode. Let's talk about that another time. So we're back to revisit (laughs) it Um, because so many people after that episode said, we want to hear more about that. So 
let's hear from you why so many people put on the pill for their skin. Absolutely. So look, the oral contraceptive pill is one of the oldest medications that we have uh, that has been used not only obviously for contraception, being it's one of its main indications or uses, but has been used for a lot of different reasons, not just the skin. So there are many women who suffer from very irregular periods and just would like to get that consistency or cycle regulation so that they know when to expect it uh, and can be you know, a bit more predictable and more comfortable. There are, of course, women who have very painful periods or very heavy periods who become very anemic or low in iron. And obviously, period pain is it's a huge thing that can really affect your quality of life, obviously, uh, every, every month. And mm-hmm. particularly if you've got that kind of combination of irregular periods, heavy periods, painful periods, it can be an absolute minefield because you don't know when your period is going to come. And then when it does finally come, it just causes obviously a lot of discomfort, mm. cramping, abdominal pain, all the rest of it, as, as you well would be aware of. When it comes to the skin, GPs and dermatologists have used it traditionally because the hormones in certain oral contraceptive pills, what we call the progesterone component, can actually be anti-male hormone, which means it actually combats or uh, fights the the natural tendency of certain women's uh, male hormones or their androgens that drive acne. Mm -hmm. These same male hormones, which are found in all women, just in different levels and different sensitivities, Mm -hmm. uh, will drive things like hair loss on, on the scalp. And they'll often drive excess hair growth, uh, say, you know, cheeks, forearms, all the unwanted sites for, for women. So, we, you know, traditionally we've used these oral contraceptive pillars, anti-androgens to help block those hormones while the person takes it. Mm-hmm. I guess the problem that we find is that, first of all, they don't work for everyone. So... Certain women will, will jump onto an oral contraceptive pill uh, and might actually have a wonderful response that their acne looks better, they're less greasy, their hair isn't growing um, as rapidly, uh, but it's not consistent. So you have some women who just, it does absolutely nothing for. You have other women who might actually find that paradoxically their symptoms worsen. But I think the biggest issue is that women are often put on it on the pill at a very young age, say in their teenage years. Yeah, I think I was like 16 yes. maybe. Exactly right. So really common. Um, 16, I think I've had women as young as, say, 12, 13, who are just started to get their period uh, on it. And then they might stay on it for 5, 10 or 15 years. But eventually, most women will want to come off the pill, whether it be to potentially consider starting a family or just to give their body a break, so to speak. And that's when, unfortunately, all of their previous problems just come back Mm -hmm. because it isn't a long-term treatment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a cure. So I have experienced a few things since uh, coming off it, which I think are relatively normal things to experience. I've, I've done a bit of Googling. Uh, before I went on the pill when I was about 16, I was actually getting back knee. Yep. And since I've been off it, and it's only been maybe the last month or so, I've started to see it coming back and my skin is oilier on my face. I've had a couple of little hormonal bumps on my chin and I've just noticed that my skin's much oilier than it used to be and I'm having to wash my hair more often. So exactly that oil production increase I think is a very common thing. So what influence do the hormonal changes from coming off the pill have on our skin apart from, I guess, the oil production increase? 
Yeah, so I think oil, we talk about the influence of androgens or the male hormones on our sebaceous glands. So they're the mm -hmm. glands that make the oil, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that the oral contraceptive pill, it takes of roughly seven days to send your ovaries to sleep is the word that, you know, we use. And then it takes them another sort of seven days once you stop to wake up. Mm -hmm. The androgens then can take exactly as you described, there might be a lag of mm -hmm. anywhere between one month to maybe four months before these androgens androgens start to circulate again. So they not only increase the activity of the oil glands, causing the oiliness, they'll also stimulate hair follicles on our body. Yes. So they'll make our body hair a slightly coarser or thicker. My body hair is growing back quicker. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly right. And and if you're if you've got the unfortunate genes for hair loss, so if mum or dad have sort of thin hair or receding hairlines, then it can actually cause your hair loss to potentially start as well. I'm so glad you said that. I feel like this is a temporary thing. I'm going to tell myself that so I don't break out. But I have been losing more hair when I wash it. Yep. So I'm noticing, like, it's not like I'm pulling huge clumps out, but I'm losing more hair than what I would normally notice yes but is that kind of a similar concept to i guess hormonal changes post-pregnancy slightly different yeah it's slightly different there's sort of two things that can happen so the most common thing is what we call a telogen effluvium or a te yeah. and a telogen effluvium is basically when the hair cycle changes such that when you start or stop an oral contraceptive pill the hair cycle can change and yeah. we can actually find that some women will not lose any hair like when they first start a pill and they're actually not shedding their normal amount of shedding mm -hmm. but the minute you stop it it takes roughly two to three months but a lot of those hairs that should have been shed say over the preceding 6 12 18 months actually start coming uh, out simultaneously okay. so yeah that shed is really common and it's akin yeah. to when a lady has a baby so during pregnancy yes yeah during pregnancy women will most commonly say geez my hair is really thick and lush yeah because they're not shedding but then they deliver baby and roughly three to six months after their delivery date, they can have a quite a significant shed. Mm. So that's another example of a TE or a telogen effluvium. And uh, starting or stopping the oral contraceptive pill can cause a mini TE. So it's not usually as bad as the pregnancy-related hair shedding, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely common. So there's that as a common finding. The good news for you is that it's not necessarily permanent so it is actually a temporary thing right as again it can take anywhere between three to six months to settle down and to slow down and then you generally do regrow that so most people mm. will find that they start sprouting little little baby yeah. regrowth regrowing hairs over you know three six months the problem lies in those women who have really strong hair loss genes and mm. this is something that's probably more spoken of in men right so we always talk about guys mm -hmm. balding thinning receding uh, and it's a very common presentation to me as a dermatologist but also to lots of gps for guys in their you know mid to late 20s 30s 40s even older who obviously want to hold on to their hair mm -hmm. what people don't realize is that there's female pattern hair loss which is the equivalent condition in, in women is also really common the difference is that it tends to happen a little later so women may first present in their 40s and 50s and 60s mm. and because women generally have much longer hair and thicker hair it might not be as visible and obvious to an onlooker as it is for a male who will have sh much shorter hair uh. so female pattern hair loss can also be unmasked or it can be first revealed when a patient has stops an oral contraceptive pill has a bit of a telogen effluvium but they don't regrow as they should and that's because they've got the genes for female pattern hair loss okay yeah so in that case if you were finding that you were 
having significant hair loss, that's when you should probably see a dermatologist or trichologist to discuss some options. Exactly right. Because then just waiting, you know, waiting for the hair loss to settle just won't get you anywhere, mm. unlike in a, in a young person who doesn't necessarily have that family history who it should just regrow for. You know, all things being equal, of course, the iron level should be good and, mm -hmm. and vitamin D, et cetera. But, yeah, for, for women who are just thinking, geez, I've been shedding and thinning and I'm definitely not regrowing and mm -hmm. I've waited three to four months and they're getting nervous, you want to get in as soon as possible to seek help yep. because you may benefit from from treatment for your female pattern hair loss. Now, before we kind of cover your suggestions on how to deal with hormonal breakouts, can we talk a little bit about what would categorize a hormonal breakout? How would you identify if something's a hormonal breakout versus any other kind of breakout? That's a really good question. And I might be a little bit, um, I guess, controversial in saying this, but in my opinion, all breakouts are hormonal. Mm. So people have this concept of the jawline distribution of acne mm -hmm. around the chin and jawline as their hormonal acne. And I guess that's because they have done studies to show that the oil glands in those that area around the chin and jawline are more sensitive to male hormones or androgens. Mm -hmm. But androgens at the end of the day drive all acne, whether it's on your forehead or on your cheeks. Mm -hmm. And it's not just androgens, it's cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So we know that when we're stressed or, you know, upset, mm -hmm. you know, we can break out. Uh, it's also insulin, which is our sugar hormone. So that, you know, when people do have a bit of a binge, they might notice a breakout. So all acne to some degree is driven mm -hmm. by androgens. I think when people notice that they are flaring their acne debts worse around their menstrual cycle, that's maybe a bit more of a trigger for me to go, look, this patient may actually have abnormal hormones that we need to check, or if they have very irregular periods mm -hmm. that I think, well, that's, they shouldn't, you know, what, what's the cause? Mm -hmm. Do they possibly have underlying polycystic ovarian syndrome? Mm -hmm. They're the red flags for me to say, okay, well, I think we need to just actually investigate why your acne is so much worse around your menstrual cycle. Mm because that's when actually going onto an oral contraceptive pill may be helpful, but I never use the oral contraceptive pill primarily for their acne. I'm using it because they've actually got proven abnormal hormones mm -hmm. or they've got proven polycystic ovarian syndrome and we want to address that. They still need independent acne treatment. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did notice before my last period that I had these two little like sore under the skin pimples come up. I've never actually experienced that before because I was on the pill for so long. I never yes. actually got to experience any kind of pimples related to hormones because I was on the pill until I was 29. So That's right. um, I experienced that for the first time. I was like, I get it now. Like what everyone is saying, you know, these pop up around your chin and they're sore and they take a while to go away. So That's right. um, let's talk about how to treat those kinds of pimples because I'm sure that's what everyone's dying to know. <laughs> yes. So what advice can you give us for treating or managing those kinds of pimples? Good. Yeah. So very, very good question. And I think a really common, common problem. So I think the first thing is to be confident in yourself that your menstrual cycles are regular. And if they're not quite regular, you don't have any abnormal hormones that should be addressed by a GP or an endocrinologist. And I think this is often overlooked. Mm. I think that often people can go many years, can get to their mid to late mm. 20s, 30s mm. without having polycystic ovarian syndrome actually diagnosed. And it's super common. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really important to first have that self-reflection and go, look, 
I reckon there is something odd. I'm just going to go get it checked out. Mm. If everything comes back normal, your bloods are good, you maybe you need an ultrasound and that's normal, then it comes down to, as you say, well, what do you do to manage it? And I guess it depends on your severity. So for your milder breakouts, topical therapies or prescription uh, medication will work the best. Mm-hmm. Good skincare is obviously helpful, and that includes ingredients such as alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, those spot therapies or pimple patches that might contain those ingredients. But seeking uh, assistance even from a general practitioner, it doesn't have to be a dermatologist who can prescribe a really good vitamin A cream, mm-hmm. sometimes with or without antibacterials in them, can be very helpful. So some of the products or the ingredients that I use would be tretinoin cream, which is your vitamin A, and that comes in a formulation with clindamycin that's an antibiotic so that's a two-in-one mm-hmm. that can be quite helpful sometimes you need something slightly stronger that might contain adapalene which is another vitamin a and and benzoyl peroxide or good old benzac and that's mixed together and that can be quite helpful topically in the treatment of this kind of acne i guess for a lot of us it can be really frustrating and it affects our confidence and you know you don't want to not wear makeup and all of this stuff and you kind of get in a vicious cycle of applying products that can be really drying on the skin or you you know you're impacting your barrier so what other kinds of ingredients would you recommend that people have in their skincare routine to support the use of those kinds of ingredients to make sure they aren't you know making things any worse you're spot on so the problem with all prescription Uh, acne treatments particularly topical therapies is they're bloody drying and they're bloody irritating Mm -hmm. to the skin you're 100% (laughs) right right so what are the tips here so you absolutely need a nice moisturizer Mm. I use moisturizer before I prescribe or before the application of the topical vitamin A Mm -hmm. and after so I sandwich it I do what's called a sandwich layer and I recommend that patients only begin it three times a week uh, to start off with. Mm-hmm. So you're slowly introducing the retinoid and the antibacterial to the skin. You're sort of exposing it, then having a break, exposing it and having a break. Mm-hmm. And you build it up. So three times a week for the first three weeks, then maybe four times a week for three weeks. And then you'd go up to every day. The ingredients in the moisturizer include niacinamide, mm-hmm. which is really anti-inflammatory and soothing, shea butter and glycerin, and ceramides. So mm-hmm. shea butter, glycerin, and ceramides are like a holy triad. Hyaluronic acid can also be really hydrating. But in your moisturizer, if you've got those soothing products that you apply before the vitamin A and after the vitamin A, you'll actually find that you tolerate it much better. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few people reach out and say, oh, I've gone off the pill. I'm experiencing acne for the first time in my life. When's it going to go away? When you see patients that have come off the pill and they're experiencing this for the first time in their life, do you give them a time frame ever or are you kind of like, well, we'll just see what happens? <laughs> Good question. So, look, I think it does depend on the severity. So yeah. milder acne that, you know, is just the occasional blemish, occasional pimple or, or whitehead or blackhead should respond to therapy within three to four months. Mm-hmm. I can't promise everyone, you know, 100% that their skin will be clear by that point in time, but that's the general time frame. Mm. If it's more severe, they may need to be on therapy between well, they might notice clear skin between the closer to the six month mark. And those are the patients that I do need to consider alternative oral medication. So tablet medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I generally quote four to six months to see clear skin with those therapies. Yeah. Here at Southern, we have quite a holistic way of treating it. So we treat not only with creams, we 
might treat with tablets, we might treat with LED therapy and steam extractions. And I think we do everything to try to get the patient as clear as possible, as fast as possible. Yeah. But yeah, nothing works overnight. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very important to not expect things to just be better next week. Yeah. You did mention the alternative medications. Can we talk a little bit about that? I know that it's probably, we can't go into too much detail, but what are the kinds of medications that you recommend in lieu of the pill to control acne? So I think there really are, at the end of the day, only two medications that have been proven in medical literature mm-hmm. to, to make a big difference. Mm-hmm. The first one is a, another form of a tablet that blocks the male hormone. So we call it an anti-androgen. Mm-hmm. The drug itself is called spironolactone. One of the brands is aldactone or spiractin. And because it's such a mouthful, I'm going to refer to it as aldactone. Mm-hmm. But when you Google aldactone, you'll see that the actual medication itself is spironolactone. So this medication has been around for, again, a long time. It was originally devised as a blood pressure tablet. But mm-hmm. one of its side effects is that it blocks very strongly the male hormones that can drive acne, oily skin, hair loss from the head and excessive hair growth. Mm-hmm. These tablets gentle it's very safe it doesn't carry with it the the same sort of side effects as the oral contraceptive pill can so you know it won't affect weight or mood or sort of breast size Mm -hmm. but it can have some other side effects such as it can alter the blood pressure and make you slightly dizzy or nauseated slightly Mm -hmm. Uh, one of its most annoying side effect is that it can actually cause your period to become irregular or you might lose it altogether so Uh, it's definitely it's one of the saddest things about this medication because it's actually so good but for the fact that yeah menstrual irregularity and spotting can be problematic. Now, again, doesn't affect everyone. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things that if you have enough reasons, for example, if you're very concerned about excess hair growth on your, mm-hmm. on your cheeks or your arms, or you are noticing that you're, you're shedding profusely, then actually going on this medication may be a really good thing for you long term. Mm. It isn't a cure. That's the problem with it. So it's not going to yeah. cure your acne. It's not going to quick cure. It's just going to block those male hormones without causing some of the side effects of the pill. You just, you can't start your family whilst you're taking it. So if you are in the family planning phase of your life, then it's not a medication that's suitable for you. Yeah. The alternative is one that's very well known and I'm sure you've all, everyone's heard about it and that's low-dose isotretinoin or Roaccutane or Orotane. It's got a few different brand names here in Australia. Without a doubt, one of the most effective treatments for acne specifically, mm-hmm. it's an oral vitamin A. So it's taken up you know, through our bloodstream, goes back to our skin and it shrinks our oil glands down to reprogram them. Mm. It developed a quite a bad name in the, I think, 70s and 80s because they used it terribly. They prescribed it at very, very high doses. It caused a lot of side effects. People hated it. And even now by certain people is prescribed inappropriately, which is very unfortunate. Mm. The thing about Oritane is that it's the closest thing to a cure for acne because if you go on it at low doses for a prolonged period, whether that be... 12 months, 18 months, or 24 months, when you come off it, for about 85% of patients, they don't actually get acne again. Yeah. So it's the closest thing to a cure without being 100% cure. You know, there'll be several people who say, who call up or email you and say, well, I went on Roaccutane and I did it for six months and my acne just came back. And yes, there are definitely cases and nuances of how it should be prescribed and for whom it's actually appropriate because it's not appropriate for everyone. But when used well, it can work incredibly, you know, incredibly well and have a low relapse rate. It's also very well tolerated. And just again, like we've already done a disclaimer on these episodes, but obviously seek advice from your doctor around any medications that you intend to take. Definitely. So are there any other side effects of the hair, skin and nails that you see in your patients when it comes to, you know, hormonal disruptions? 
Yeah, so I think that the not only the oiliness of the skin, which we've already discussed, but I think also the overall complexion and tone of the skin. So I think that the skin can often get quite dull. Uh, so some people, their oil glands not only reactivate, but their skin actually thickens up and they'll find that they're kind of getting quite blocked or rough, roughened skin, mm -hmm. uh, which can be quite annoying. The hair as well, yes, as you mentioned, the shedding is, is a common problem, but also gets oily again. And when you've got oily hair, as you know, the whole texture, the way your hair sits in your scalp, the volume can be affected as well. So that can be quite frustrating. Mm -hmm. The nails can don't tend to be as sensitive as, say, the skin and the hair, but certainly people have described nail fragility as being a problem and also easy breakage or splitting at the ends of the nails. And, and those things can be quite frustrating that we see. Mm -hmm. There are certain hair, skin and nail formulas that we recommend, but they often do need to be taken for a very long time and at higher doses than what's potentially written on the bottle. Okay, so really everything's going to be fine is what I'm gauging from this <laughs> discussion. <laughs> you know what? I think the main thing is to recognise that it's a really common problem. Yeah. It's not something to lose sleep over. You do need to just go and seek appropriate help. Yeah. I think that the trickiest thing for women is that one of the major reasons that they come off the pill is that they want to start their family. Yeah. And that's tricky because no matter which doctor you see, we're limited in what we can give um, women currently who are sort of planning to fall pregnant imminently yeah having said that we're, we're slowly but surely developing more and more treatments that are safe while you're trying to fall pregnant and if you are pregnant and certainly in the next two years here in australia we're going to see some really amazing exciting new devices that i hope to get here that are showing really good results overseas that can be used regardless of pregnancy status or, or trying to fall pregnant so Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that's really exciting. So you can watch this space. Yep. The future is definitely bright as long as you're aware of what's actually going on. You, yeah. You've understood, you've come off the pill and you, you know, the best time to treat acne is well before you want to start your family and get a good treatment on board then. Yeah. And I think the, the point of this series is not to villainize the pill, because as you mentioned earlier, there's certainly a place for it in medicine. Definitely. But just being aware of some of these things that can happen when you come off it is, is quite valuable. Absolutely. Before we go, I wanted to ask you on professional treatments, if someone is experiencing acne and they're, you know, wanting to go and see a dermal clinician or dermal therapist for treatment, are there any treatments that you would recommend aside from the LED light therapy you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so certain skin peels can be absolutely very helpful. Chemical peels for acne will unblock the sebaceous glands mm -hmm. and can allow the topical therapies to work better. So we often combine, say, a series of comedone extractions where we will physically remove the oil glands mm -hmm. and the, um, the blocked oil glands. We'll apply a light chemical peel for based on the patient's skin sensitivity mm -hmm. and put them under the light. So we'll do all three in one session. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very helpful. Of course, it's not long term. And that's where you need to have good skin care and potentially mm -hmm. uh, prescription medication as well. Yeah. And they'll work in harmony. But mm -hmm. definitely some of those treatments. What I, what I don't advise is things like skin needling mm. or uh, skin needling is one of the more common ones. Yeah. But we have uh, patients who come in, say, asking, requesting microdermabrasion and things like that. Mm. And the issue is with those treatments, they're not actually addressing the underlying problem. They may actually cause more inflammation and more harm than good. Yeah. Uh, definitely if you're going to invest in this, my advice to patients is to invest in a good acne chemical peel. Awesome. Great advice. Well, I think that's everything that I wanted to chat to you about. So thank you so much for sharing all of that information. Our audience can ask any extra questions in our Facebook group, um, but you can find Dr. Ryan on Instagram as well. And he's based at Southern Dermatology. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.
Thanks so much for your time. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.